The Bible tells us that life is as a vapor, and sometimes we don't realize it until we start to look back at our own life, and then we realize, where did it go? And it went by very quickly. But uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, there's a lot of problems that we face in life, and sometimes we get hurt. And years ago, and that's why I'm talking about life as a vapor, it doesn't seem like in my own mind that it was that long ago, but when you do the math, it was that long ago that I used to play softball. And if you know me, you knew I loved uh, to play the game. It wasn't unusual to be playing multiple nights in the week and on multiple teams uh, because we loved to play the game, or I loved to play the game. But there was times that I would get hurt in playing that game, and I'm probably going to tell a story tonight that some of you may have heard and remember me telling. But I played with broken bones and aches and pains and just continued to play the game. But one game in particular, before the game we were kind of congregated in one area and a couple of the players were on the sidelines playing catch. And one of them was my former brother-in-law, so maybe that's why this happened, I don't know. But they were playing catch, and uh, he was playing with his brother who had a rocket for an arm. I mean, he could throw a ball. I've never seen anybody throw a softball as hard as he could throw it. Well, we were standing there talking, some of us, and uh, they were playing catch, and somehow the ball got loose. And it came in my direction, and they said, heads up. And my head went up, and I got hit right in the face with the softball. And it hurt. But, you know, I was spitting blood and all that good stuff. But I played that game that night. And I played a second game that night. And then I went to the emergency room to find that it was, I had a broken jaw. My point of all that is, is that I loved the game, and I wanted to play. And I wasn't going to let something as minor as a broken jaw prevent me from playing the game. And so I played that game with a broken jaw, played shortstop, was out there on the field, and every once in a while I'd spit out some blood. But that was one of the best games I ever played. And I found that it was because I was more focused and I was more determined and we were going to win that game one way or another. That was the goal. I say that to remind us that there are times in our Christian's life, in our Christian life, where we get hurt. Sometimes it's someone out in the world has said something or done something that hurts us, causes pain in our lives. And then there are times even when it's friendly fire, sort of like the guys on the sideline on my own team that hit me in the face with a ball. And sometimes it's our own Christians, our own brothers and sisters in Christ that says something or does something that hurts us. And there are some that are tempted to quit and give up and stop uh, doing the battle. But what we need to understand is what the Scripture is telling us here is don't give up, don't quit. What we're playing for, what we're living for is of much more value than playing a softball game and trying to win. What we're playing for is a home in heaven. 
And we want to uh, obtain that someday, and we don't want to lose sight of that, even though there may be pains and, and, and problems in this life that we go through as a Christian, and sometimes we suffer them because we're just doing the right thing, and sometimes people don't appreciate that. And like I said, sometimes it's our own brethren that causes hurt and pain in our lives. Paul, in the New, in the New Testament, experienced that himself. Or even his brothers and sisters in Christ sometimes didn't do what they were supposed to do. And that happens with all of us. And so tonight I want to ask, how do we recover? How do we get through those things? How is it that when we get, we, you know, we're living a good life and, and doing what's right, and sometimes we get tired? And maybe we get discouraged and we're tempted to quit. And sometimes we get hurt and sometimes we want to quit. So what do we do? How do we recover? How do we keep going? We need to be determined. And first of all, we need to realize that we need to set our eyes on heaven. We need to set our eyes on that goal. And it doesn't matter what happens to us in this life, it will be worth it in the end. And that's what we need to remind ourselves. As uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 2, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What we must understand is that everything in this world is not going to last. All these things are temporary. And only the things that are spiritual are going to last. Only those things can we take with us. The treasures that we lay up in heaven are more important than any treasure that we may lay up here on this earth. Because those treasures in heaven cannot be uh, taken away. They cannot be rotted away. They can't mold. They can't be stolen. They can't have any of those things happen like the things that we have here on this earth. And so in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1-3, through 3, it says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And so we need to have our eyes focus on the true goal in this life. And it's not to be successful and rich and famous in this world, but it's to have that home in heaven. To hear, that, hear our Lord say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And really that's what's important in this whole, in the, in this whole discussion. Because it doesn't matter what people think of us. What matters is what God thinks of us. And in the end, I want to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, we're studying Job on Wednesday evening. And, I, and wouldn't it be wonderful for God to look at you or me and say, Have you considered my servant and put your name in the blank? That's what was said about Job. And that's God calling him his servant. And that's really what we need to be trying, uh, striving for every day is that the Lord recognizes us as His servant. And when the Lord can say that about any one of us, that's something that we can be proud of, something that we can uh, take joy in. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place that he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. 
We talked about faith this morning and how important it is that that faith be uh, 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 consist of not only our beliefs but our actions. That our faith moves us to do the things that we're told to do. And in this particular case, Abraham was told to go and leave. He didn't know where he was going, but he trusted God. And we need to have our trust in God. We can look at David and we can see many of the psalms that he wrote. And the theme of them psalms many times are trust God. Trust God. He's not going to let you down. And so when you get hurt, when you get discouraged, when you grow weary, trust God. He'll pull you through. He'll help you through if you will allow Him to do so. But you've got to have your affection set on the things above. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1-2, through 2, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and a sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What's that passage of Scripture telling us? It's telling us that Jesus knew what pain and agony that He was going to go through. He knew what was going to happen on that cross and what was going to lead up to that cross, but being able to see what was on the other side made it all worthwhile. He was willing to do that so that we could have salvation, so that we could have that home in heaven, so we could have the forgiveness of sin. And so that is a lesson for us that's an example for us that when we know what's going to happen out here on the end, we should be willing to go through whatever we must go through in order to have that home in heaven. And so God has provided for us and helps us to see what is important in this life. And so how is your faith? Do you trust God? Well, what else can we do to help us recover when we get hurt or we have a problem that we're dealing with? Well, one of the things I think I've mentioned it uh, several times, it seems like lately, and that is to count our blessings. We need to look for the good in this life. We need to look at all the good things that God has done for us. You know, when we come to the end of life, sometimes we don't look at that as a good thing. But I want to tell you something that I, I talked to my uncle. We announced uh, this morning that my aunt was placed on hospice, and I talked to my uncle this week, and this is what he said. Which got me really to, to, to think about you know, counting our blessings. He was telling me that his wife didn't want to go on hospice at the time. Even though she was in pain. Because she wanted to get better and be able to take care of him. They've been married I don't know how many years but a long time. But that's what she wanted to do. And it finally got to the point where he said this is what you're going to have to do. Because the pain is too unbearable. But this is what he told her. He said, we've had a good life. We've had a long life. What's he doing? He's counting his blessings. He's looking back over his life and he sees all the good that they've had, all the good things that they had. And then he added, and I told her that when you get there, tell them to hold the door because there's one more coming. That's faith. They're members of the Lord's church. They're faithful members of the Lord's church. And even when something is as drastic as death comes into our lives, we can still look back and count our blessings. Doesn't mean you've had a perfect, you know, flowing, wonderful life. Things happen in our lives, but that's part of it. 
getting through those things, working through those things, and working together to get, or together with family, with your spouse, with friends, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can look back at our lives. Yeah, it's a vapor, but it's a good vapor. And we can be thankful for the blessings that we have. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, "...in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." Don't allow a few negative things to monopolize your attention. Don't allow those things to just dwell in your heart and in your minds constantly. Sure, we're dealing with it. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to sleep when you're going through a, a, a problem like that. But with God's help, when we trust Him, it's easy. It makes life a whole lot easier because He gives us what we need if we will trust Him. The problem is so many times we go to God and we leave our problems there. But when we say amen, we pick them up and we take them off with us instead of leaving them there for God to help us with them. You see, if Jesus is our Lord, we will always have more good in our lives than bad. You know, you think of all the, the awful things that happened to the first century Christians. You can see that Stephen lost his life in Acts chapter 7. We can see in Acts chapter 8 that Paul made havoc of the church. And he tells us about uh, consenting to death. So obviously he, put, he consented to some being killed because they were Christians. He compelled them to blaspheme. He remembered all of those things that he had done. But he realized now he had Christ. He had the blood of Christ that cleansed him from those sins. And brethren, if we don't have Christ in our lives, it doesn't matter what all we have. It doesn't matter what we possess. If we don't possess Christ, we're in a sad situation. Imagine going into eternity without Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. All the good things in life are there because God loves us. Sure, life can be difficult, Sure, there may be times where we start to get weary, but don't give up. It'll be worth it in the end. And that's what we need to understand. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God's going to supply what we need. You know, our problem sometimes is we just don't trust Him. We look in the Bible and we see the answer. And our response to that is, well, that just doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. If God said it, it's true. And we need to trust Him. And that gets back to, what's your theme? I mean, we can talk about David. David did some awful things. But when you look at those Psalms, you can see he trusted in God. And that's why he was a man known as a man after God's own heart. What do you trust in? Do you have that same faith in God? Do you trust Him that He'll supply what you need? 
You see, sometimes we say, well, I, I, I did, but He hasn't helped me. Maybe sometimes we're not searching like we should. Maybe we're not diligently seeking Him as Hebrews 11 and verse 6 tells us. Maybe we're not doing our part. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we're not even trusting God. We're just giving Him lip service. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And we talk about some of those blessings, forgiveness of sin, our relationship with God, where we can talk to Him in prayer. But have you ever thought about the, the strength that we can get from our brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you thought about why it's important that we come together and worship God? Has, have you ever thought about why it's important that we have fellowship one with another? Read some of those one another passages in the New Testament and you'll see that there's value in those things. And sometimes we miss out on it. Because we don't see it as important. And so sometimes we don't appreciate all the spiritual things that God has done for us to help us. And we don't take advantage of them. And it causes us to be hurt and allow that hurt to discourage us to the, where, to the point where we want to give up. I think it's also important... To recover from this, from from weariness and, and wounds, is that we look outward rather than inward. That's really the way to happiness, and I'm not sure most people appreciate that because sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves. You know, we've been known as the, the me generation. It's all about me. And I think that we see that still. Me, 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 me. What is, what, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it? What do I get? But listen to what Acts chapter 20, verse 35 tells us. And I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Are we looking out there to see who we can help? And I've never been one that, uh, that thinks that we should look at someone else and say, well, look how much better I have it than they have it. And one of the reasons why, you know, and you may think I'm crazy for this, but my thought on that matter is, okay, I look here and I say, I'm better than person A. Person A looks over here and says, I'm better than person B. I have it better than person C. I have a better than person D. And you just keep going down the line. I hate, would hate to be that last person in line because their life must be awful. Sometimes our life is not as awful as we think that it is. We need to appreciate what God's done for us and look around and see what we can do to help people. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Help people with their burdens. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You need to help yourself. You see, the truth is, when we bear another person's load, it helps to lighten our own load. Because we realize how blessed we really are. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, beginning, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus will help us to carry that burden. We can go to our Heavenly Father in prayer and lay our cares at His feet. But don't pick them up and carry them off. Don't express that you trust Him and then walk away saying, I don't think He's going to do anything for me. You have to trust Him. God's willing to help us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, remember what it says, and we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God's purpose for us in this life is to look and see how we can help other people. And I think sometimes when we're out helping people and helping people and helping people, it can become weary. It can become a burden. But that's when we need to look at the goal. Look at what we have in the end. And look what our Lord's done for us. And then we need to also remember that God demands faithfulness, not success. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, moreover it is required in student or stewards that a man be found faithful. You say, well, how can you be faithful and not successful? Well, sometimes we make goals for ourselves. This is what I want to do. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach this many people and I'm going to baptize this many people. And what we need to remember is that our responsibility as a Christian is to sow the seed. And maybe our responsibility is to water that seed that maybe someone else has planted. But it's God that gives the increase. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Think of the responsibility that God has given us when He tells us to take the gospel into the world. Think of the trust that He has in you and me of being able to share the truth of that message with those that we come in contact with. And that's what He's asked us to do. You see, we preach that Word. We teach that Word. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 that that gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's not me. It's not you. It's the gospel that convicts. It's the gospel that pricks their heart. It's the gospel that motivates them to change and be obedient in baptism for the remission of their sin. And so that's something that we need to understand. That sometimes the goals that we may set in our lives are unrealistic. And therefore we feel like a failure because we can't obtain those things. But there are things that we do need to work on. There are things in our own personal lives that we can work on. 
But I just want us to understand that our job as a Christian in taking the gospel to the world is to plant the seed and to water it. But it's God that's going to give the increase. You think about that. It's that time of year where people are plowing up gardens and they're going out there and they're planting seed. They plant that seed. They put it in the ground. And they may come along and they may <clears throat> turn the sprinkler on or take some uh, uh, jar or something and pour water on to water it so that it makes sure that it gets the, the water that it needs. But you think about it. What is it that you did that actually made that seed come to life? It's nothing you did. It's what God put in it. And when we plant that seed in the hearts of people and we water it, if that's a good soil, that heart, then people will obey the gospel. It's still the gospel that did it. That's where the power's at. And that's what we forget sometimes. And that's what we need to understand <clears throat> is that there's people that need to hear that message. And it's up to you and me as to whether or not they do. Well, here's the best news yet. And it's this. We know the outcome of the story. You know, I've, I, I've mentioned this before about the little boy who was reading the book and he kept saying over and over, you're going to get it, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. And then finally one day his dad said, what, why do you keep saying he's going to get it? And he said, because I read the last chapter in the book and I know he's going to get it. Well, that's really the way it is in life for us as a Christian. No matter what we go through, no matter how much the pain that we suffer, what people may say or do to us, how they may ridicule us and make fun of us because we believe in something like the Bible, it's going to be worth it in the end because we have a home prepared for us. The book of Revelation emphatically tells us that when all is said and done, those who have trusted God and been obedient to His will will be victorious. That's, that's a guarantee. Because we know that we will obtain the mountaintop someday. Why should we worry when we're in the depths of the valley? Because we know that we're going to be victorious in the end if we remain faithful to our God. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. What did Jesus tell us in part of obeying the gospel? We have to confess him before men, and if we'll confess him before men, he'll confess us before his Father which is in heaven. And what's he telling the church here? That if we're faithful our name will remain in that book of life and He'll confess us before His Father. Isn't that something that you want to have happen in your life? It's just, it just isn't magical. It's God's plan for you and for me. But we also have to be determined to live that faithful life. And just as I was determined to finish that softball game, we must be more determined to finish this life and be found faithful in the end. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, <clears throat> Write, 
Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. To know that when we labor here on this earth for our Lord, that there is a day that's coming that we'll rest from the work that we've done here on this earth. And so may we never become so discouraged that we turn away from that prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. When you look at Paul, you can see that in his body <clears throat> he bore the marks of being a Christian. He had been beaten and stoned and, and many other things that had happened to him. But he realized being faithful was worth whatever he had to go through. Your wounds may not be physical, but nevertheless, as a Christian, we realize they're real. They hurt. But God is there to comfort us. And so we need to count ourselves blessed to be able to suffer for the name of Christ. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. What's he saying? Don't let any of that stuff bother you. How can it not bother me? Because we know where we're going. And we know that whatever we suffer, it's because of Christ. And in the end, we're going to win. In the end, we're going to have that home in heaven if we remain faithful. So don't allow those wounds and that weariness to become fatal. Put it in perspective. Realizing that someday we'll hear those wonderful words of, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. And then we'll realize it was worth whatever we went through. So tonight, if you need to respond to the invitation, we're here to help you in any way that we can. If you're not a child of God, we would encourage you to become one tonight. If you haven't been faithful, we would encourage you to make that relationship right with God so that you can have that home in heaven. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. Don't ever turn away from God. Don't ever say, I'm going to take a few weeks off or I'm going to take a month off and then I'll be back. That's the devil working. Don't allow him to, have, uh, to, to get a foot in your door of your heart. Tonight, allow Christ to live in you. Set your affections on the things above so that heaven can be your home. If you need to respond to the invitation, you can do so while we stand and sing by coming up here on the front row.